This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Kuala Lumpur has matured into a city that's now having to straddle both development and preservation, especially of its more iconic and historic areas. Downtown Kuala Lumpur is one such area that's currently stuck in a limbo of sorts as development in other parts of the city resulted in that iconic area losing its vibrancy. Recognising this, Ting City joined forces with Kuala Lumpur City Hall or DPKL, the Ministry of Tourism, Arts and Culture, Jabatan Warisan Negara and Yayasan Hasanah to develop the Kuala Lumpur Creative and Cultural District Strategic Master Plan. The Master Plan aims to revitalise downtown KL to make it more livable for its occupants and potential visitors. As part of their attempts to achieve this, Ting City has recently launched two grants, Creative KL Grants Program and Ting City Urban Challenge. These grants are meant to crowdsource ideas from the public who are interested in contributing to their goals. Hamdan Abdul Majid, Managing Director of Ting City, joins us via Zoom to talk about the grants and Kuala Lumpur. One of the, one of the things that we, when we started our program in Kuala Lumpur in 2014 uh, was in the context where we felt that many people that, that we were engaging with and so on uh, were not deeply connected to the space, particularly to the historic district, downtown Kuala Lumpur. Uh, it, it was kind of a place where the many found it to be a transient space. Mm. Just for our listeners' context, how did, how do you guys define downtown Kuala Lumpur? Where exactly are we referring to when we mention yeah downtown Kuala Lumpur? Oh, yeah, as a context, I think basically we use a rough guide. Uh, it could either be they were bounded by the inner ring road or a one kilometer radius from the confluence. <clears throat> the two rivers where Masjid Jamek is anchored on. Uh, and, you know, we saw that area was... This is where the city started, right? Um, as I said, when we were starting our program, we felt um, one of the key things we realized was that the place was transient and hardly you could find people had a very close attachment to that space. Uh, it was a place that not many people converged uh, and uh, there was very little thing that actually was uh, attraction uh, the place was in a state of, you can call it great, you know, sort of progressively declining uh, and in a state of decay in parts. And um, there were also what they call uh, a, a situation where some places were to, uh, totally hollowed out. But maybe to kind of go back in history, right, you know, the confluence of the two rivers was where a, a, a town emerged uh, uh, to support thin mining activities. And quickly that town was, became an organized uh, settlement, uh, organized place, and with the British providing an interest by virtue that the tin mine industry that was emerging in and around Kuala Lumpur. Um, and, and quickly from then onwards, it became the, what do you call, the center administration for the Federated Malay States. And post-independence, this became our nation's capital, and it was the city center. Uh, and this was where the center of the seat of government was, center of administration, judiciary, finance, place for uh, center for trade, commerce, and everything else that made a great place. Uh, but progressively since the 80s, we saw that the as a result of the urban expansion and the fast-paced growth of the city, the activities in the area started evolving. But by watching the need to expand, we saw that you know the whole industry of finance started moving into uh, Sultanas. In fact, it used to be known as the Golden Triangle. 
uh, in between Sultan Ismail Bukit Bintang. Um, you know, we might be a bit more younger than you know these are terms that you, you that many might have forgotten. And probably now it's moved to TRX and other places as financial center. Government itself in the 90s moved, started moving into Putrajaya. And then 2000 onwards, you saw the judiciary evolve. While there's some remnants of trade and commerce that are still present, but as overall, the place has seen a kind of the best days before. Uh, and, uh, and this is where the starting point was about how do you kind of look at this place uh, and find ways to transform it. We saw this as a jewel in the crown by virtue of its collection uh, of uh, historic assets, its strategic location between what you call KL Central and uh, um, Masjid Jamek, you could travel to anywhere in Klang Valley by virtue of the extensive road and metro networks that facilitates movement of people and goods in and around the region. Um, and uh, it was also an area that uh, had a very strong... Uh, uh, what I call history that's connected to the nation's uh, what, development journey. And we felt that this was something that, you know, is waiting to be unlocked. And that's when we started a program around saying that, look, let's find a way to see this, pro what I call a uh, uh, process of change and transformation. Um, at that point in time, we started a Think City grant program that supported efforts to kickstart and uh, begin the journey of regeneration. Um, and when we started, and like I said, the context was always the case that downtown Lolopo was hollowed out and it was progressively losing its vibrancy and quality of livability. And we had to figure out with the stakeholders, uh, how can we actually shift this uh, situation by actively looking at intervention. So with DBKR, we looked at how do you improve and enhance the public realm and you know, improve the walkability of the places uh, bring back what they call various uh, significant uh, uh, what I call uh, trails and, and memories of the place and so on. With the business community, with the asset owners, we looked at how to renew the buildings. With the business community, we worked with in terms of how to bring back newer, interesting types of activities and businesses that will kind of uh, attract people to come. We had to organize various sets of uh, programs, events, and and uh, put what do you call uh, create a whole new dynamics that is included working with uh, the Prasarana and MRT to transform the uh, stations to become public spaces, uh, to turn squares to become event spaces, to transform Dataram uh, to be a place to converge for events that connect with the right path and so on. So it was a, a, a progressive set of interventions that set in motion the process of change. Uh, what we have seen, all of this built up to what I call to a process where change was emerging. <clears throat> but with COVID, a lot of things kind of uh, were affected. We have seen as a result of it, businesses uh, kind of uh, had to take what you call, some of them had to give up. Um, and we saw the place sense also some, again, after efforts to renew, there was a bit of a put, pull back, and, and we had to figure out what do we do next. Now, that's when the context we kind of re-energized re and we looked at in terms of how can we uh, catalyze further and accelerate the process of change and transformation. And with the support of the government uh, under budget 2023, uh, under the Madani budget, where we see that what do you call, uh, the effort towards the renewal will take 
into a new phase where we see that this will be the next phase of the transformation journey that we have embarked. And we believe that we are the, the, the what I call uh, the process of change is in motion. And we are already starting to see some of the results. But, and we believe now it's a time to encourage others to show them the results that I've seen, for them then to step in, to be an active partner, to drive the process of change and transformation in the city. And, and this is in this context that we are crowdsourcing ideas, uh, crowdsourcing partners, we're crowdsourcing people who have innovative ways about how to solve the challenges in the city. Um, and we would like to see how we could uh, provide support, how could we catalyze together, how could we partner them to actively drive change and transformation in the city. Um, and and we have, I think this is part of the reason why we have just launched an updated grant program uh, to ensure that, that we are able to, to bring in diverse partners and stakeholders to take ownership, to bring to the city that we all love. Mm, all right. Okay. We're going to talk about the grants later. Uh, but prior to that, I mean, what I find quite interesting about the, I mean, what, what you said just now was that I had another interview session earlier in the morning where we were like pondering about how KL, um, you know, you mentioned the word ho hollowing out, right? You know how KL has become a bit more, I think these days, it doesn't seem to be as as rejuvenated as before. And I've, I find it quite interesting because I think if you think about it, KL has always been, while it, it is the capital, it has been developed to be as such. Um, the way we plan our city had, was also vastly different. Um, I think if you think about how there were a lot of like satellite towns that were built outside KL to sort of like support, you know, how the city uh, works. To a certain extent, if you think about it, like, you know how, you know, in terms of KL these days, it's... People work in KL, but they don't necessarily live in KL, you know? And there's a lot of, like, like that kind of, um, you know, way of living where people, I guess, go to work in KL, but then they will, um, once they're done, they will go and, uh, I guess, go back to their homes, you know, whether in Subang, Sha'alam. So I find that also to be quite interesting because because I think to a certain extent, uh, maybe, you know, if you were to think about it, I mean, I, I know this is something that is a bit more difficult to, I guess, fix, um, but, you know, the, the concept of KL, like, it's 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 a city that's 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 interesting in the sense that we celebrate it, but at the same time, it's not really a place that a lot of people live in. You know, if you think about it these days, right? And I find that quite interesting. No, no, I think you're right. That's also the reason why we kind of highlighted to see that the city actually has followed out uh, progressively um, as a result of the need to expand and cater for the needs of a fast-growing community. Um, you know, the fact that the city center couldn't cater for the needs of young population that was fast, <clears throat> what do you call, and, uh, needed various differentiated services. And we saw that the service, that need was fulfilled by the emergence of new suburbs and uh, new, what do you call, growth areas and so on. Now, today, I, I like think what we see Kuala Lumpur is that uh, we have seen uh, the city is kind of going through a process of uh, change where there's a lot of segments of Kuala Lumpur that's gone, seen progressive change and renewal. An example I will highlight like 25 years ago that, you know, the journey of change started with uh, the renewal or 25, 30 years ago the, the, with, the, with the renewal around the area of Kuala Lumpur, Sindhi uh, Center, KLCC. And today we can see a whole new development. And in fact, we can see that both the mix between uh, live, work, play has emerged. 
Similarly, we have seen that happen in uh, KL Central, uh, which what was a year, railway yatri is fast emerged to become a, a, what do you call a whole new uh, live work play zone in the city. And we will see similarly in, in TRX, uh, in what do you call, um, in Sentul. So all of these different parts of KL have seen kind of change progressively much. One part that has not seen a cohesive drive has been downtown Kuala Lumpur. Why is that the case? Um, I think it's by virtue that uh, it's like it, it's, it's been a very constrained space and it has been a space that has it, it actively been used for various official functions and so on till the early part of the century. Um, and it's only now that we can see the process of it gives space for renewal. And then it's in this context that we see that efforts of government to make sure that the area is well connected. So if our, as far as connection is concerned, it's well connected and what you well served. Um, we see that efforts by the city government to support this what they call efforts has been also to upgrade and improve. You can go parts of Jalan Tukar Raman, you can see they've kind of narrowed the streets, made more pedestrian boulevards, uh, and made it more accessible, comfortable, and so on. So there's been a lot of changes that progressively has emerged into the city. And there's also been new developments. And on the periphery of the area, we saw the emergence of 118, the development of new, uh, what do you call, hotels, uh, business, what do you call, uh, new office towers. But what has been lacking has been of bringing the residential component. And that, I think, is a result of the fact that over the years, uh, as a result of the decline and decay, there was a new functional use that was emerging uh, there was not necessarily one that everyone wanted. It was becoming a more uh, homogeneous space as opposed to a heterogeneous space. And, and, and that limits the possibility for people to think about it. Now, on the broader question about the emergence of the other suburbs and so on, we see why those suburbs have emerged now to become cities of their, on their own right. And we see that more and more the relationship between core Kuala Lumpur and the suburbs or the cities, rather, it will be more in the context of the emergence of a rings of 20-minute cities working in a more polycentric system that created such that there will be a symbiotic relationship with Kuala Lumpur being the hub and the spokes are the network of cities around it that kind of creates the kind of mutual relationship uh, of uh, symbiosis that allows for each to flourish and, 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 and develop so people eventually will have to make choices whether they want to kind of uh, be working in their own suburbs or whether they want to kind of work in the city or they want to live in the city and, and, and kind of commute to the suburbs. And we see that it's going to become a progressive shift in the next decade or beyond how the emergence of uh, a new pattern of uh, urban agglomeration and a network of 15-minute cities that will eventually take root in the city, in, 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 the, growth, in the greater Kuala Lumpur region as a whole. Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned 15-minute uh, cities because I think that was another topic that we just had recently, so we spoke about recently as well. Um, do you think that that's uh, something that can be done um, sustainably in KL these days or even in the future considering how things are, I guess, becoming you know a bit more, I guess, financially not attainable these days? Like I said, that the trend in the in the marketplace or trend in, in in out there is such that suburbs have turned to become cities, and 
and these cities themselves are soon needing to figure out how they are needing to ensure that people live, work and play within their zones for you know maybe for 80% of their needs and come to the city for the 20%. Uh, as far as jobs are concerned, I think it's going to be more distributed. There will be specialization of the different parts of the cities to different job functions and so on, depending on what each of these different city, uh, city regions uh, will offer in terms of uh, what do you call job options. And um, and I think you will start seeing the differentiation by, you know, even though it's not necessarily one is the, we can call it uh, uh, kind of uh, planned action but organically this is what we see emerging and and eventually we need to harness and more as we build the circle line in Kuala Lumpur the more this is going to become a reality and that gives greater what you call ability for people to move across the different city regions in a much more smoother and effective manner because in the past the growth of the suburb was fueled by the car the motor car but the future, we see the growth of the emergence of a network of 20-minute city will be shaped by the, what you call, network of public transport. That was Hamdan Adul Majid, Managing Director of Think City, giving his thoughts on Kuala Lumpur. We're going to make way for some messages. More after this, stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.